It's not unusual to find plenty of wine caves and wine cellars in wine country. What is unusual is discovering a sophisticated broadcast facility inside these well-protected and often top-secret chambers. But maybe it really isn't that surprising that America's number one wine broadcast originates from the soul of wine country. And it is our great privilege to do all we can to inspire you. If you drink wine simply because, well, it's a drink, we've got our work cut out. For literally thousands of years, wine has fueled celebrations, ended conflicts, and provided the ultimate connection between one human being and another. It makes food taste better, lifts spirits, sparks our imagination, and beckons us to slow down and love life. If that all sounds good to you, you're in the right place. So sit back, clear your head, put any worries you have on hold, and join us as we go in search of this week's Grape Encounter. But be warned, we speak a much different language than what you typically experience in most wine-centric environments. But you didn't come here because you're ordinary, did you? Good, because your host, David Wilson, is here to take you far, far away from the beaten path. Here's David. And it is time for your weekly grape encounter. And I am so delighted to be talking about the subject that we're going to dive into today because, you know, so much of our conversations these days are about coping with COVID or at least trying to enjoy our wine lifestyles when we really can't do very much. And I am so sick to death of virtual tastings. (laughs) In principle, it's a great idea, but we got to find other ways to amuse ourselves. And today we're going to talk about something that you can do right now that in many ways for many of you would be reinventing yourselves and doing something very constructive built around your favorite passion, which is uh, enjoying wine. What we're talking about is investing in wine. I know what you're saying. You're going, I invest in wine every week. (laughs) I'm not getting much return except empty bottles. But this is going to be, I think, a very eye-opening conversation because we're being joined right now by David Parker, who is, well, he's got a number of business concerns, but one of them is Brentwood Wine Company. The other is Benchmark Wine Group. He also runs a very, very well-known app called Seller Pros, among other things. So David, welcome to the show. I'm sure glad to have you here. Well, thank you, David. I'm glad to be here. So it's going to be hard, I think, for us to wrap our arms around the incredible scope of your business or businesses because you're doing so many uh, different things. But we'll back up before you got into this and you were you were a tech guy, right? Working for big companies yeah, like, a, like HP, right? Yes, exactly. I was a Silicon Valley guy, started at Hewlett Packard, founded a company called Wise that got quite big. You'll still see some of those in doctor's offices now. Yeah. Uh, Worked up here in Oregon for Tektronix, their biggest high-tech firm at the time. And somewhere along the way, picked up a vineyard and a second vineyard and kind of got the wine bug really bad. You are not the only tech guy who has gotten into the wine business. That's been a popular notion, I think. Has it not for people who come from that industry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The old saying is you make your money in the Silicon Valley and you spend it in Napa Valley. <laughs> right. So now you're based in Napa Valley, but you are also up in Oregon. You um, are producing wine up there, correct? 
I, I did produce wine for many years up there, and we still have some that you may find on the shelf under Parker Family Vineyards. Uh, we have vineyard in, in Amity. We also have had one in Geyserville right next to Silver Oak. Talk to me first of all about how you caught the wine bug. And I know you bought a vineyard initially in California. What was behind that? How scary was that decision? How many of your friends thought you were out of your mind? Give us a little background on that. Yeah. So it it did tie in with the Silicon Valley and having just a tiny bit of excess capital at one point in my life and uh, sort of had the dream of owning a vineyard, didn't know what I was getting myself into, but we found a, a lovely but fairly old, poorly developed property right in behind Silver Oak in the Alexander Valley. We put a lot of time into renovating the little house and, and completely redoing the vineyard. The vineyard had 100-year-old lines on it. So we, we moved most of it over to Cabernet and left a little bit of hillside old vines and Fendel on the property. So you took out all the Carignan? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Back in the day, Carignan had virtually no market value. Well, you know, there's this really bold initiative going on in Lodi that has to do with preserving the old vines there. And it's not just Zinfandel, it's Carignan. And they're very proud of those grapes. I'm guessing that if you could replant those grapes, you probably would. Well, yes. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, right. I guess so. The years also. Yeah. In hindsight, I wish I had. Those so, do you just go into that assuming that you're going to lose money and uh, that it's so high risk that you don't uh, have your expectations set too terribly high? Yeah. The only way to make a small fortune in the wine business is to start with a large <laughs> a one. Larger. But we were foolish enough to put a plan together to eventually make money. And, and after about seven years, we did. Now, we were very fortunate to have partners uh, with uh, the Benzigers and the Mandavis yeah. at the time. They, they were buying most of our crop, and that added a degree of professionalism and security to our operation. You now are very much focused on high-end wine, luxury wine, retail sales, but then you have a wine auction and essentially, it looks like most of your business is assisting or supporting people who are buying wine as an investment. What percentage of your business would you say is for the person who wants to consume these great wines versus the person that's going to hold or or sell or trade these wines? How does that shake down for you? I would say very roughly in terms of quantity of people, it's about 50-50. On the other hand, in terms of dollars spent, the investor group is obviously the the larger portion because the bottles that we sell run the range from $30 to $20,000. And the people up at the high end of the market, they're clearly investing for the most part, not to say that they don't open one every once in a while. At what point did you start to look at investing in wine the same way that we would look at investing in stocks or investing in cryptocurrencies or more conventional types of investment instruments? When we got going, and our first company was Brentwood Wine Company, which was the first continual internet auction house for rare wine. Uh, When we got that going, uh, we realized we had to get very good very quickly in understanding changing valuations of wine. That, that trying to invest, just buy a bottle and assume it's going to go up, that doesn't work. You really need to be 
on top of the ever-changing values. And so we bought a small company called the Wine Market Journal that had been tracking all of the uh, values of all of the wines at a few of the auction houses for a number of years. And then we, we built that up to cover virtually every single wine auction house uh, online and live in the world and every wine that trades with that data set then we can start to become knowledgeable in terms of which wines are really trading at what value, whether those are trending up and in groups of wines too. We've created indices like they're similar to the, the Dow uh, or the S&P 500, but for different types of wine, for Bordeaux, for First Coast Bordeaux, for other Bordeaux, for Burgundy, for Champagne, uh, collectible California cabs, and so forth. I, I can't and even the, imagine what goes into deciding what wines are going to be covered by the journal. I mean, that's. I mean, we're talking about an almost infinite selection of wine out there. What is the criteria for being in the journal? It has to have traded at a significant auction somewhere in the world. Oh, I see. Once it does the first time, it gets added. Now, there are many wines that trade very, very frequently. For a long time, Mouton Rothschild 1982 was the most heavily traded wine in, in the world, at least by dollars. There are some that trade all the time in almost every auction. We're going to take a break here, David, for a second, but I want you to assure my listeners that you're going to make this reasonably easy for them to get into the business of buying and selling wine. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I look, I look forward to it. Hey, we're talking to David Parker, and David leads Brentwood Wine Group. He uh, also leads the Benchmark Wine Group. He's the CEO of First Growth Technologies, which has the Wine Market Journal under its umbrella. And so we're going to try to piece all this together. And, you know, you might want to grab a piece of paper and a pen because we might be able to change your life right now. At least we're hoping to do that because we got to get creative about what we're going to do until we all get our regular lives back, if we ever do. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Many wine enthusiasts describe wine as a kind of time machine that can transport you to the place and time it was created without leaving home. Whether you're sipping a Sangiovese from Italy or a German Riesling, tasting is traveling. That being said, Total Wine & More is like the world's biggest airport. With more than 8,000 wines from every corner of the world in their stores, you can be incredibly adventurous and savor every journey. Plus, you can do all of your shopping online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order at your local store or curbside for the ultimate in safe shopping. There's always more in store at Total Wine & More. If you're a frequent Grape Encounters radio listener, you know that our show is all about inclusiveness. For far too long, wine consumers have felt left out, simply because a small minority of, well, let's call them out, wine snobs have dominated the conversation. For 12 years, it's been my mission to give you, the wine enthusiasts that just want to have fun, a front row seat to everything that's cool about wine. And while we have a very intimate thing going on here, I've been thinking that we can take things where no radio or TV program has gone before. And so beginning next week, I'm inviting you and your friends to get together with me for a private online party. This isn't a big streaming free-for-all event. It's you, me, and your guests. You decide what you want to talk about, we'll set a time, then it's party time. 
So email me using the contact form at GrapeEncounters.com. Tell me a little bit about how we can make this fun for you, and I'll respond to as many requests as I can. Just drop me a note at GrapeEncounters.com. know how many expensive or valuable bottles of wine that you have stashed at your house or some other place just sitting around collecting dust but you know it may be worth more than you realize and also if you're just into fine wines it could be that your favorite passion could also lead to pretty substantial amount of earnings if you know what to do And really, I think we have on today the leading expert on this topic. It's David Parker. And uh, David runs an online auction house. He's responsible for a journal which basically tracks the value of wines that go to auction. He has a very substantial retail business which focuses on uh, luxury wines. David, let's talk about that for a second. That's all online sales, is that correct? It's virtually all online sales. We get some, we do some curbside pickup also. It's virtually all online sales, and we do some wholesale out of that also to top restaurants and top retailers. Let's talk about volatility for a second, because the one thing that would scare me about investing in wine is that it's not like investing in silver, gold, coins, or, you know, most commodities. It goes bad. It can be damaged quite easily. So it's it's it would seem from that standpoint to be a riskier type of investment. Can you just kind of talk to us about how you make sure that this product that you're you're hoping to hold and make money off of remains pristine? Yeah, it's a very good question. It's especially important to understand what a good bottle looks like and yeah. you know, by by elimination, ones that have any real value. We do a very thorough inspection both in the field for the larger collections, we'll go into the cellars and see the storage conditions. We have a very thorough protocol for inspecting each bottle that really makes it virtually certain that the bottles have been are in good shape. And that involves looking at a collection holistically. If you've got you know, a lot of bad bottles, then you can expect that the rest are also bad. Uh, we look at whether there's a signs of seepage, uh, wine that's come out, whether the corks have moved up or down in the bottle. Also, the fill level within the bottle. We backlight the wine, look at the color of the wine. And when we see consistently uh, high marks for all of the wines, only then do we really have a high degree of confidence that the the, the cellar has been well kept. There's too much temperature variation. If there's a heat event, uh, we can see that through that inspection process. So if the bottle had been exposed maybe just one time to extreme heat, that's something that you would probably be able to pick up on or definitely be able to? We would definitely be able to pick up on that wow. because that heat event causes the wine to expand. And there's only a very tiny headspace in the bottle, which is sort of the shock absorber. It's a very yeah. small shock absorber, essentially. And any expansion beyond that is going to cause the wine to to move along for its way along the edge of the cork in between the cork and the glass and the neck of the bottle and generally at least dome out uh, the capsule so you'll get what's called a, a raised capsule 
and it may, may be so much pressure that it will leak down and, and cause what we call signs of seepage. But even a domed capsule is a sign of a problem. All right. I hope I'm not making a comparison that's too pedestrian, but I was thinking about there's a product out there called Carfax. If I sell my car, we're able to go and see if there was any significant damage done to the car, and that becomes very important in terms of the resale value of a, of a used car. The Carfax memorializes how well a car has been maintained and treated. How do you ensure the pedigree of a bottle of wine? Is there something equivalent? Yes. There is. The, the general term is provenance, right. but that's also used for antiques and things like that. Knowing the ownership history is very important. So we tend to look at sellers where the, the owner bought the wine originally on release or from a very reputable retailer or auction house. Yeah. So we, we ask to see those purchase records where he or she has them. Uh, in some cases, the auction house puts a authentication sticker or a provenance sticker on the back. So we might see a sticker from, let's just say, Sotheby's on there. We tend to know the ownership, and that's that's very important. We I think we're the only retailers that offer a provenance guarantee that uh, not only have we inspected the bottles for virtually perfect condition, but we track the ownership history, and we have that we, we can refer back to. Very, very rare cases it was a problematic model. So how often does it occur that uh, somebody realizes that they've got a, a very valuable bottle of wine in their collection, or, or perhaps it wasn't at the time that they got it, but now it's gone up in value and has sat in a private collection? Um, I guess we can't completely know um, the entire history of the bottle, but you can still get a very strong sense about you know how well-preserved the wine is? Yes, that's right. Through the inspection process, regardless of whether we have the own all of the purchase documentation, we get a very strong sense of the quality of the wine. And it's got to be virtually perfect for us to accept it. Um, but for those people that are buying and buying reasonably expensive wine, you know, we, we suggest that they hang on to their, their receipts, their storage records, yeah. or their purchase records. You never know. It, it may very well go up. The top brand collectible wine domain Romani Conti. They have individual serial numbers on the bottle, which provides another way of, of tracking those. I am a little bit confused about what happens when somebody in Des Moines or someplace in Wisconsin wants to sell you a bottle of wine. You've got to inspect it. What is the procedure there? Because you can't possibly, I wouldn't think, fly all this wine out to where you are and inspect each bottle, or maybe I'm wrong. Well, we appraise the collection based on it being in excellent condition. We describe that very well, so even laymen should be able to pick up on it. We do FaceTime inspections or Zoom inspections remotely. Uh, For high value, we'll ask for key photographs, including a shot down on the neck of the bottle and a shot showing the fill level and the color. So we can do a lot remotely, and we've gotten better at it You know, here in this last year where we have to do so much remotely. For larger collections, we will send the whole team over, including packing it up and inventorying it. And at that time, they also are able to judge additional condition issues and perhaps pull out the odd bottle 
of a very good collection. Okay, so maybe you're sitting at home right now and you're thinking, I am really in a big mess because I, I can't do what I normally do. My lifestyle has been obliterated because of COVID. I need some excitement in my life. I want to do something fun, but it's got to be something different. Well, maybe investing in wine is the thing for you, or maybe you just want to buy a really stellar bottle of wine and drink it and say to heck with it and give yourself an opportunity to have a good time because we have not been having nearly enough of a good time these days. I'm talking to David Parker. He's the owner, founder, and CEO of several businesses that all have to do with either buying luxury wines, valuable rare wines, or uh, buying and selling and trading that. So we'll talk more about the scope of his business in a second, but I really want to, David, when we come back, kind of focus on how the person who feels that this is really daunting to try to understand this and jump into this, how we can give them a a level of comfort. So um, that will be our mission when we return. Fair enough? Very good. I look forward to it. All right. We'll be back in just a second with more Grape Encounters. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Caria into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, Walnuts and Wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. Fling into spring at Total Wine & More, where fresh flavors are in full bloom. We're talking Rieslings and Rain Boots, Bubbly and Brunch, Pinot on the porch, anyone? No matter what's on your table, we have the wine and the savings to go with your menu. Sauvignon Blanc plays nicely with smoked salmon. Bacon practically begs for Chardonnay. And which rosé are you feeling today? We surely have a shade to match. Brighten up your glass with fresh cocktails. Rosé Prosecco makes for a beautiful twist on a mojito. Or mix up your sangria with a spritz of berry seltzer. With over 8,000 wines, 4,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers to choose from, you can expect the unexpected. Always at the best prices in town with the best service in America. What'll it be today? Choose curbside pickup, in-store pickup, shipping or delivery. Explore more in-store or at TotalWine.com. We're back with more Grape Encounters. Hey, please do us an enormous favor and like us on Facebook. It's the very best way to learn about other opportunities that we may not share on the broadcast. Also, join our mailing list on GrapeEncounters.com. Listeners on our contact list receive some exclusive opportunities. Become an insider. Enough said. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. 
What an interesting conversation and one that I think is just long overdue, talking about wine investment with David Parker of Benchmark Wine. Benchmark Wine Group is the leading source of fine and rare wines for wine retailers, restaurants, and collectors around the world. It's the largest online seller of rare wines, and that's just the tip of the iceberg where David's businesses are concerned. So, David, I just want to get right to the point. You've got me. You've got me excited and interested. I want to invest in wine, but I don't feel that I have anywhere close to the type of knowledge that would be necessary to make an informed decision and not throw money down a hole that I can't see the bottom of. What do I do? Well, yeah, I, I think the first thing to do is to educate yourself in terms of what you like. It's not going to be fun to invest in a wine that you don't understand or like. Right. But then you want to immediately understand what is a collectible wine, because only two or three percent of wines made are made for collecting. And those are generally specific producers throughout the world. Bordeaux is the most famous Burgundy, uh, Napa Valley, but also Spain and many other areas of Italy. The way to probably the best way to find out what the collectible wine is uh, looking at auction history. So either looking at auction catalogs or looking at a online periodical like the Wine Market Journal, look at which wines do trade a lot. And you'll probably see some overlap with brands that you like and understand. That might be a good place to start. Uh, you need to find the best sources. You, if you can source directly from the producer, that's the best way. The second best way is to find a retailer that you really trust and, and takes very good care of the condition of the wines. And then you need to be patient. It's going to take quite a long time for the wines that do go up to go up. The reviewer scores give you a fairly good idea of the wines that have a chance to appreciate. I used to be down on scores for a long time, but the as, as I get older and older, I realize that they are a very important barometer. I think more people are probably paying attention to them than they used to, or do I have that wrong? Certainly, as we talk about investing in wine, scores are especially especially important, especially the scores from the very top tier reviewers. Whether that you choose to drink based on scores or not is a whole different subject, yeah. for better or worse. The wines that are going to tend to go up have a history of very high scores. Particular producers either consistently have those or they do not. That's, that's going to be one of your indicators in terms of which wine to consider buying for investment purposes. Okay, now you, you, you said that you should buy what you like, but I wonder if I call you up and I go, hey, David, I have $50,000 to invest this week, and I'm tired of the stock market, and it's been very volatile. Um, can you just take my money and put it to, to good use, and can I just turn the whole thing over to you? Well, there are mutual fund-like wine funds. They tend to go in and out of operation relatively frequently. The issue with them, like any other mutual fund, is they tend to bring in money, large amounts of money all at once, and then they tend to have redemptions or have to generate money all at once. So they aren't taking advantage 
of maybe the very best buying and selling opportunities. So uh, ideally, then, I probably would be best to buy wines that I alone own. And instead of getting involved with strangers or friends, for that matter, it sounds to me like it's a dance that is best danced by just one person. I think that's a good way of putting it. In my opinion, yes. So I, I believe investing is best done dancing by yourself for most people. Yeah. Or the alternative is to have a very knowledgeable seller consultant. And that nowadays, a lot of the sommeliers are doing that. That can talk to you and manage still your private wine in your own private wine locker. That's such an interesting point because the sommeliers uh, throughout the world right now have really, really taken a bullet to the head and so many of them are out of work and really, really super struggling. How many or what percentage of sommeliers do you think are reinventing themselves now and doing exactly what you talked about, becoming consultants, I would imagine that would be the the safest route to survival for them, would it not? Yes, absolutely. I think they are either reinventing themselves or dusting off another skill right now. We have a program called the Sommelier Set where we will work with a sommelier for a month. They will help select wines that our customers may be interested in. They'll write a piece for the website. Uh, we have a virtual online program called Raid Your Seller. They'll moderate that. Uh, we have other sommeliers that do work in sellers, finding wine sellers for us as part of uh, our sourcing uh, or managing sellers for uh, various collectors. So talk to me about the, the size of an investment in wine, and I'm really referring to the cost per bottle. But what about the bottle of wine that is just $80 or $100? There's an ample amount available if I wanted to buy several cases of the wine. Are those kinds of investments as good as buying the really prestigious sought-after wines? They can be, uh, but just because it's expensive or in the 80 to $100 range doesn't necessarily mean it will appreciate. Things you should look for are well-established brands. So yeah. there are second, third, fourth, fifth growth Bordeaux that are very reasonably priced that have a tendency to appreciate, as do the so-called second lines of the, of the first growth producers. Uh, there are uh, wines from the Rhone, from Spain, that have developed a very good reputation. Italy, of course, very good reputation and, and a tendency to appreciate that maybe in that $80 range. Well, one thing that has certainly become a trend that is, that's been written about a lot is a focus away from Champagne and Bordeaux that's looking at places like Italy and Spain. Is this something that you're actively uh, steering your customers toward? Yes, especially ones that feel like they have enough Bordeaux or that doesn't necessarily meet their taste profile. Uh, you're right, the, especially the, the key areas of Italy, like the Tuscany area and the Piedmont area, key areas of Spain, like Rioja. There are even now some collectibles coming up out of South America, but absolutely we're seeing more interest and more appreciation right now for the wines of the United States and Italy. 
All right. So I'm going to have to take a break here, David. But when we come back, I'd love for you to lay out a blueprint for our listeners of, okay, what is the A to Z? It'll have to be very abbreviated to get involved in wine investing and collecting. You know, hopefully we can uh, bring some happiness to some people who are otherwise sequestered and uh, under house arrest right now. I'm talking to David Parker of Benchmark Wine and uh, also the owner of the Wine Market Journal. Uh, There's just so many things that he's got going on. But I think if you take the time to check out his businesses. There's some really good information online about what he's doing. You might find this to be a spark that can really ignite a real passion for you. So check it out. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Even though I spend almost every waking hour trying to track down all things wine, it takes nearly superhuman powers to keep up with the folks at Total Wine and More. I remember the first time I ever set foot in a Total Wine & More store. My jaw literally dropped to the floor as I tried to comprehend the astonishing wine, spirit, and beer offerings that were suddenly at my fingertips, wonderfully organized for super easy navigation. How do they pull off such an amazing feat? Well, it all comes down to an incomparable team of experts that constantly searches every corner of the world for amazing products priced so you can enjoy them on any occasion. Total Wine doesn't just sell the same old, same old. They're always busy forging relationships with outstanding producers on every continent so that they're able to provide exceptional wines that are exciting and new to you at incredible savings. New discoveries, must-have favorites, and more than 8,000 wine choices that you can even explore from home on your laptop or phone. Explore Total Wine in whatever manner suits you best, in person or if you've come to enjoy that curbside experience, you can order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your wine in the store or just outside if a contactless experience is your preference. And make sure to check for special opportunities that are always plentiful at TotalWine.com. There are always plenty of reasons to get excited about your next Total Wine experience. Words can be very confusing. When you're crazy, people say that you're nuts. But what if you're crazy about nuts? Well, that doesn't mean that you should be sent to the funny farm. It means that you should be sent to the farm of MM Organics, the producers of organic heirloom walnuts and walnut products that are so incomparably unique and delicious, other nuts will be reduced to wallflowers. Whoops, there we go with those crazy meanings of words again. After all, if being a wallflower means disappearing into the background, then why does being a walnut from MM Organics mean standing out from the rest? Confused? Well, you won't be when you discover the glorious deliciousness of walnut halves, baking pieces, fair trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and other scrumptious walnut products from MM Organics. Learn more and order yours at mmorganics.com, where you'll also find our utterly irresistible two-horse Portuguese dessert wine that everyone goes nuts for. Get crazy at mmorganics.com. Fling into spring at Total Wine & More, where fresh flavors are in full bloom. We're talking Rieslings and Rain Boots, Bubbly and Brunch. Pinot on the porch, anyone? No matter what's on your table, we have the wine and the savings to go with your menu. Sauvignon Blanc plays nicely with smoked salmon. Bacon practically begs for Chardonnay. And which rosé are you feeling today? We surely have a shade to match. 
brighten up your glass with fresh cocktails. Rosé Prosecco makes for a beautiful twist on a mojito. Or mix up your sangria with a spritz of berry seltzer. With over 8,000 wines, 4,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers to choose from, you can expect the unexpected. Always at the best prices in town with the best service in America. What'll it be today? Choose curbside pickup, in-store pickup, shipping or delivery. Explore more in-store or at TotalWine.com. And we're back with Grape Encounters Radio. Got to tell you, absolutely fascinating to look at wine through different eyes, not just as something that you can enjoy in a glass, but that actually could really bring you a halfway decent amount of earnings if you do it right. I don't think there's anybody out there that could give us more information and steer us in the right direction better than David Parker of Benchmark Wine Group. David, can we talk for a second about wine versus the markets and looking at numbers correctly? It would appear that the fine wine investment market is outperforming the Dow and the NASDAQ. Very often it does. Certainly certain segments of the wine market consistently outperform a lot of the other potential investments. In fact, we tend to say when the stock market goes up, the rare wine market goes up more. And when the stock market goes down, the rare wine market goes down less. How stable is the fine wine market? Well, it's got the fundamentals to be more stable. And generally, it is. Every year, there tend to be more shares of every stock not fewer. So you've got that factor continually potentially driving up value. If they're not stored properly, however, they can lose all of their value and they are. you have to have the right facilities to store them. So that's sort of the trade-off there. Finding a buyer for your wine uh, when you decide it's time to sell, you also need to be careful about where the largest buyer of private wine sellers in the country. Uh, auction houses are also another good place to, to liquidate but the costs of selling at auctions, I think I mentioned before, are, are substantial. And the uh, buyer of a wine at an auction is going to pay 30% more for the same bottle than that seller for that bottle got with the, the transaction fee of the auction house being that 30% in between. The wine has to appreciate by at least that 30% before you break even. Once it does, the rest is premium. You need to be very careful with the storage and the records, your acquisition records. You tend to want to buy in full cases, but you want to be right. buying wines that have shown that history of appreciation. So there's a very good website for looking at retail prices, but that's not necessarily a record of actual transactions. So it's much better to look at the actual transactions. So let's um, try to put this together for listeners. I'll just throw together a hypothetical for you, and maybe you can steer me in the right direction. I'm somebody who loves wine, and I know more than the next guy about wine. I've got some discretionary income that I can put into this. I don't have a wine cellar. I don't know where to start in terms of buying wine. So I'm going to call David Parker's organization because I heard about it on Grape Encounters Radio. What do I do? Well, you need to have that storage, that perfect storage facility. Really? Okay. You can get a storage uh, unit that can go in your garage or your living room. There's some that look that nice. It'll store a few hundred bottles. That's a good way to get started 
Uh, there are commercial storage facilities, wine storage facilities in most major cities. Make sure it's wine specific with great temperature and humidity control and security, of course. But you'll want one of those two if you're going to be serious about wine collecting for investment because your timeline is going to need to be fairly long. If you think you're going to make significant profit in two or three years, it could happen with the right wines. But in my opinion, you want about a seven-year investment window at least uh, to to recover the, the, the large transaction costs that are inherent in the business. Okay, we just have a, a minute or two left. Are there certain varietals and certain regions that would be the best place to put my money right now? If- well, Burgundy has had that characteristic, and at the top of that market is Domaine Romani Conti. Now you can argue that's gone up by a factor of eight or ten. Is it going to yeah. continue to go up that fast? But I would place in second place Champagne from the very top producers like like uh, Krug, Dom Perignon is not a bad choice, and there are a variety of others. But right now, we're seeing greater investment across the board than any other time. Usually, we've seen you know one region be strong, another one be somewhat weaker. There's strength across the market right now. All right. Well, David, we are flat out of time. I sure appreciate you being on David Parker of the Benchmark Wine Group. But can you just steer people in the proper direction if they want to know more about what we've been talking about today? Okay. Well, I think the resources that we mentioned here on the show, benchmarkwine.com, wholesale retail, uh, Brentwood Wine Company, so brentwoodwine.com, online auction, Wine Market Journal, and that's all run together, winemarketjournal.com is the top resource for understanding valuations of wine. And I could mention Seller Pros, which will provide you various seller services and we'll be announcing some additional things such as storage uh, fairly soon. Those are our four primary companies. If you're a professional, First Growth Technology can also provide data, software, customized solutions that support all of the auction houses of the world and top retailers too. That's firstgrowthtech.com. When you got bit by the wine bug back in the 80s, did you ever imagine that your career would go this direction? Never, never. I'm glad it has. I've met some incredible people. It's a very supportive industry, making people happy. So I I couldn't be happier having made that choice. But you don't make it for money. You make it for love of the product. Yeah, amen. Well, listen, David, thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. I think it's uh, probably got a lot of creative juices flowing for people. And we're definitely going to come back to you in the very near future because I can think of about a dozen additional topics I'd love to have you weigh in on. So I appreciate you giving us so much good quality time today. And I wish you the best. Well, thank you very much, David. I wish you the best too. And I can hold up my virtual glass and say to your health (laughs) or salute, which is doubly appropriate right now. Tell me that you're tired of virtual tastings. I am tired of virtual tastings, (laughs) unless they're of the very least formal type. Uh, Our radio seller is just a bunch of people sitting around a kitchen table enjoying wine together. We need the new best thing. Uh, so everybody needs to get to work on that. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters. Today, we'll be back here next week. Remember, if you ever miss an episode of Grape Encounters, our podcast version of the show is on every major podcast resource site in the world. And uh, you can just go to grapeencounters.com and you can uh, find an amazing number of hours that we've put in just having fun. We'll be back here next week. We'll see you then.
This edition of Grape Encounters has been brought to you by Total Wine & More. When Total Wine & More challenged themselves to keep more than 8,000 wines on hand, they pioneered a consumer experience that 99.999% of the population would have thought was impossible. It was an undertaking that I still can't totally get my arms around today. But I've spent many hours of my personal time being that adult kid in a candy store, using my mouse to learn about their extremely affordable top 20 wines of the year, or learning eye-opening details about the iconic winemakers behind Total Wine's Legends of Wine collection. TotalWine.com is an online resource so rich with content, it's hard to imagine a more satisfying wine-related experience. Spend all the time you want at TotalWine.com or at your nearest store. Just make sure you're back here with me at this same time next week for another Grape Encounter.